Cubicle Night Noodlings, recorded on the 5th of November, 2019. This is my little sometimes neglected corner of the internet where I ramble in the dark like a senile old man, the things that tickle my nerdy nerve endings. Scrape together for you, off of the cutting room floor, DLN Extend, Snaps and Flat Packs, CAD Software for Linux, a bit of follow-up, and the Open SUSE Corner. A few weeks ago, or maybe more like several weeks ago, I was asked to be a part of the Destination Linux network, to which, without any thought or consideration, seemingly on both sides, I said yes. I have since started a podcast with Eric Adams called DLN Extend. To be completely fair, he really carries the show. As you can tell by these noodlings of mine, I can barely carry myself. I rather enjoy talking to Eric. We both geek out over many tech topics. He has a bit of a different bend to his Linux and technology implementation views. I am you know, pretty well entrenched in the OpenSUSE world. He, he likes to skip around a little bit. He tends to be a little bit more in the Ubuntu land. And he likes to try out different desktops. I've tried them outside of XFCE and Plasma. I'm kind of stuck in my ways. But we have some great discussions. I really enjoy it. And here's a little sample of the sudo vulnerability discussion that we had that didn't make the regular show because we want to keep it short. So I'll throw in some of the scraps over here on these noodlings. This week in Linux covered a lot of things, as they, as Michael usually does, but two of the standouts were the sudo vulnerability and just how essentially it was yet another sensationalistic story in the sense that was it possible? Yes. Was it likely? No, very unlikely because nobody ships it configured the way that it had to be in order for that vulnerability to be present and something that could actually be taken advantage of. The good news is it's something they found. I'm glad that they found it and the distribution have all in turn patched it and made sure that it's not something that's going to be possible and has been fixed. But yet again, I guess my criticism is it's a story that was blown way out of proportion. And it's just one of those things where because Linux makes the claim of being a more secure operating system in general than let's say Windows in particular, as soon as there's any hint of something being a vulnerability, it gets thrown out and... (laughs) And really the speculation, yeah, just very much so. Very, I mean... Yeah, it was it was a total nothing burger, really. I mean, it was, you know, it, someone needed some clicks. It was kind of like the, uh, that KDE vulnerability a while ago, where it was also a nothing burger. And, uh, and you know, of course it was fixed right away. Well, and so that's, the, that's actually the takeaway from this, right? Okay, there was a vulnerability, it was found, it was reported, and it was fixed pretty much as soon as the news was even broken. Right. So the idea that, okay, there was something found, but the nature of open source and the way the distributions operate and their dedication to security is such that they patched it immediately. Now, are there systems out there where the, the updates haven't been applied? Yes, and that is definitely a factor to take into consideration. But again, it was something that was almost impossible to be in place in a way that made this vulnerability something that was possible. Yeah, the the risk level was so incredibly low. But hey, you know, someone got some clicks on that. You know, they probably uh, got a pat on the back from, from somebody else because they made a big deal out of nothing. So hey, you know, good for them, right? And I have to say that in general, it seems like security vulnerability folks, the security folks, I don't know what it is about. About that particular profession or or you know specialization 
They, they just, they tend to, I mean, they operate in a way where it's somewhat adversarial, and I think that's a little kind of odd. They seem to be very sensationalistic and very much self-motivated in order to, like, make a name for themselves. If you remember before the, uh, what's the, the hacker conference in San Francisco every year? DEFCON. DEFCON, thank you. So if you remember something like this year for DEFCON, and this happens all the time, uh, you know, there was a security researcher that had found some sort of vulnerability and, of course, conveniently just happened to have that prepared for DEFCON as a way to be sensationalistic and make a name for themselves. So I, I just question the motivation of some of these people. This was more of a journalistic thing, I think, where, yes, it was people looking for clicks. And But there's something about the security industry that kind of bothers me. And I'm not saying this is the universal, because obviously the loudest voices or the people who abuse it the most are the ones that are easy to call out as targets for this. And I know there are thousands of other people who don't operate like that. So it's, I'm not trying to make an unfair assessment. I'm just saying that it is a shame that those people do have a platform and seem to do things like this. I'm sure 99% of them are honest researchers that are doing the right thing, reporting the right way, and, and everything else. But you have that 1% that have this chicken little syndrome that think the sky's falling at the drop of a hat. So I think it's just going to continue as being a problem, and we're going to have another vulnerability we're going to talk about and laugh about in another week or two. I completely agree with that. We've talked about this in the past also about just the idea of not just security updates and flaws and things like that, but also just general information on Linux and open source and how there are resources out there that do not do a good job of being honest about their motivations and truly wanting to help other people with the benefit of their knowledge. And I think this is another case where if you take the time to research it for yourself and find reputable sources, there is lots of good information out there. Unfortunately, the loud information, the information you might find first in a Google search is going to be not necessarily the best information. I think that you hit the nail right on the head when you said you have to do the research yourself and you have to look at good sources and a lot of sources to really make an, an accurate assessment of the situation. Because I think if you don't do that, you're just going to be like a lemming falling off of a cliff because you are not. You're just following whoever's the loudest. Absolutely. In future noodlings, I'll likely be including other clips that were cut from the regular DLN Extend because I did the work in editing it. I don't want to just throw it away. That's so wasteful. I wanted to make just a quick note about setting up OpenSUSE with snaps and flatpaks. I really said snaps and flatpaks in general, but this is more specifically OpenSUSE because, well, that's what I care about most. I just want to make a note that OpenSUSE makes it really trivial to set up. I run both snaps and flatpaks on my system, and I never have a problem with either of them. Some people say that flatpak works better for them. Some people say that snaps work better. Others like app images. I like them all. My impression is that whether it's a snap, a flatpak, or an app image, you really get a great experience any way you slice it. So I've included in my little show notes a reference for using Flatpak with OpenSUSE as well as Snaps. Thanks to my good buddy Eric Adams, he sent me down a rabbit hole of looking at CAD software again. I got a link from Fossment.com titled 11 Best CAD Software for Linux. And since CAD is what I do, I had to look. I have had two CAD packages that get fairly regular use. One is for real CAD, the other is for fun. FreeCAD is a CAD application that I use periodically. It has 3D modeling and assembly packages that are pretty decent. The drawing package is also pretty decent. LeoCAD is an application I use when I want to play with virtual Lego bricks, often when building with the kids. 
I will get an idea, and when I find I need different parts, I will start to go through the LeoCAD library of parts and taking my physical model and turning it into a virtual model and then going back and forth, buying some other parts and, you know, having lots of fun with that. The lesson that can be taught there is going through the product life cycle from concept to prototype to production model, and the kids just think we're playing with Legos. I'm only going to cover a few highlights of this article, some little bits that inspired some interest and also inspired me to do some installing and, and further research. BRLCAD. It's a free and open source cross-platform CAD application. There isn't an RPM for it, but there is a Debian and a tar.gz. I'm going to play with this and, and make some kind of determination if I could use it. On the surface, the interface looks a bit like it has a steep learning curve, but I might have fun giving it a whirl. BricsCAD is a commercial modern multi-platform CAD application for 2D and 3D modeling. Focused on this software is to allow users to work faster and smarter while spending fewer resources. The cost of this for a lifetime license with a mechanical package, which I would need, is $2,095 US dollars. Now that's a bit steep for a home gamer like myself, but there's a 30-day trial for this software, and although I haven't quite tried it yet, it does look pretty fantastic. Next is Veracad. It's another paid CAD application that does 3D modeling. This has a freemium business model and is much less expensive than the previous one, with a one-time fee of 699 euros, a discounted $79 for students and universities. I played with this one in the past. I kind of had a hard time with it, but that was probably a good 10 years ago. I'm going to take the time to check these out, just because I'm very curious to see how it compares to the PTC's Creo that I use on my mechanical design career. What matters most to me is the ability to create parametric 3D models that allow for geometric constraints. I also want an assembly package that allows for making alignments with either datums or geometric features. I've had trouble with some applications that don't allow these capabilities very well. So check it out, 11 best CAD software for Linux on Fossmint.com. For my Biddle follow-up, Canonical released Ubuntu 19.10 along with its many flavors. It is interesting to see what new inclusions Canonical puts into their distributions. Being that I am an OpenSUSE guy, and knowing largely what goes on here in this project, and what the focus is here, it's nice to see what other distributions are doing, and since Canonical is kind of like the, the popular kid on the block, it's nice to see, you know, what's new and fashionable in the Canonical land. Overall, I like what I see, and I still have to finish my review of the Ubuntu proper. I think Ubuntu does a great job with GNOME. Something about the way they package it makes it much more enjoyable to use than vanilla GNOME experience elsewhere. And they've been putting a lot of resources into it, and it really shows. It was also great seeing Alan Pope and Martin Wimpress on Biddle interacting with the community and taking in feedback of the user experience. Personally, I don't use Ubuntu on hardware directly, but I always keep a VM of it to keep myself familiarized. Invariably, I will get a question about how to do something on Ubuntu, and I'd like to have an answer for them. Ubuntu proper, running GNOME, is a far better experience in VM than it ever has been historically. It's quite obvious that they are doing something good over there in GNOME land. The next distribution we are reviewing is Ubuntu Mate. I do keep Ubuntu Mate running. Currently, it's on a Pine 64. Previously, I had it on a Mac G5 that also ran quite nicely. But that Mac died, so I don't use it anymore. Oh well, it's on a shelf. Maybe I'll do something with it at some point in time. For my open SUSE corner, Tumbleweed Snapshots 2019, 10, 24, 25, 27, and 28 have rolled out. Quite a few in the last two weeks, 
I'm not going to cover every nuance. For the full news feed, visit news.opensuse.org as there is far too much to cover here. The Mesa 3D Graphics Library was updated to 19.2.1, which brought several new features and a big RAND-V performance boost for AMD GPUs. VirtualBox Hypervisor for x86 has a minor update to version 6.0.14, which fixed some potential networking with interrupt signaling for network adapters and UEFI guests. OpenSSH 8.1 had a major upgrade that included new features like experimental lightweight signature and verification ability. KDE Plasma version 5.17.1 arrived with KDE Frameworks 5.63.0. The bug fixes that stand out the most to me on this is to K-Screen, as with 5.17 there were issues of not all the displays being represented in the display configuration tool, forcing me to use ARANDR instead. K1 received some fixes. The Plasma Desktop Mouse KCM fixed the X11 Mouse Acceleration Profile. Also, if you're running a touchscreen device without a keyboard, or with limited keyboard use, you may want to try Wayland again. With this version of Plasma, it functions so much cleaner. I am using Wayland, but not on the full Wayland desktop for one of my machines. YAST, the greatest system administration and maintenance tool that I've ever used, received updates to the first boot installation, storage NG, and XML packages. The one thing that I don't like about many other distributions is a lack of something like YAST. I would really like to see other distributions adopt YAST or something like YAST as part of their system configuration suite. Having that cohesive collection of tools is highly valuable. The Tumbleweed Reviewer gives 2019-1024 a stable score of 93, 25 a stable score of 96, 27 a stable 98, and 28 a stable 94. So it's been a fine string of Tumbleweed snapshots. I'm truly grateful and tickled green that you've taken any amount of time out of your day to listen to this thing of mine. If you think I'm way off or even slightly off, feel free to contact me at you missed the boat on that one son at cubiclenate.com. Until next time, see yous.